What is up and welcome back to the Square Sports Podcast. We're coming at you with uh, episode three. We're going to be recapping the NFL draft, some winners and losers, and touching on some other news around the NFL and a little bit of things going around the sports world. I'm your host, Mr. Bank, and I'm once again joined by the Sandman. We got some news, uh, breaking news out of the NFL to bring to you guys right away. Yeah, so Jameis going to the Saints, one-year deal. Uh, it's I don't think it's final yet, but it, I mean, it's pretty it's going to happen. Um, it, it says he turned down money other places to learn from Breeze, which I thought was kind of interesting because, what is he, 27, 28? Yeah, I think he's uh, 26. Yeah. Um, kind of surprising. I mean, I, don't, I doubt he turned down any starting jobs down, but maybe he turned backup money elsewhere down. Yeah. Um, if there's any place where he really would have got, like, a guaranteed starting role. Yeah, which is disappointing to say the least. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought it was interesting that it was only one year. I mean, he probably didn't want to sign it much longer than that. But, like, his value is not really going to change, in my opinion, like being a backup unless Breeze gets hurt. And, like, from the Saints' perspective, like, is this, is this purely a move to, like, get some security for Breeze if he goes down? Or is this maybe for the future – it's kind of hard to say if it's only one year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because the fact that he only signed for one year makes it seem like like the Saints are kind of just worried about if Breeze gets hurt this year, like if they're going to have someone to replace him. It kind of makes me feel like they don't really have that much faith in Taysom Hill as an actual backup because if they did, like I don't think it would be necessary to sign Jameis. Just for the- Sorry, go finish. And, I mean, I think – in terms of on James's side of this, I think at this point he was just trying to go to a place where he might have a chance to play a little bit, but I think he kind of just wanted freedom for next year because he might have realized that this offseason he wasn't really going to get exactly what he wanted, but it's possible that next offseason there's going to be new openings and maybe a new place for him to find like a long-term home. Yeah. So. I guess I guess it kind of makes sense for James, but – it, I guess the Saints, it's, it's weird because they were like earlier in the offseason, they kept saying like they'll forfeit like a number, like a first round pick to prevent any team from like signing Taysom. Yeah, which whatever. Is, seemed weird. And then, which was kind of a stretch, it seemed like. And now they're bringing in Jameis. I guess they just like Taysom that much as like a wildcat and like return man, special yeah. teamer. But yeah, maybe they don't, they want someone else in there in case Taysom Hill gets hurt some way or. Then they don't have a backup at all. I guess mm-hmm. that. I mean, yeah, it'll be. So I think I think Taysom will be playing still over Winston with Breeze. But then if Breeze goes down, I feel like Winston would be the starter, and then Taysom would be still coming in as like a change of pace guy. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you on that. That's probably how it would end up going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think uh, now we could just. After, that was some pretty big news. Uh, I guess you could say exciting for us as pretty big Jameis fans, but we always want the best for, for our boy. But uh, now we just, you know, get into the NFL draft. That was the big sporting event of the weekend. It was nice to, you know, actually see something happening in the sports world live where we could, you know, get upset about it. And, you know, <laughs> we always have. Lose some money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're lose some money on some s- stupid stuff. But uh, who's your uh, first winner of the draft? Um. Well, before I get into that, I just wanted to say, Roger Goodell 
pretty embarrassing uh, first round for you. Couldn't even pronounce Tua's name. <laughs> Couldn't even get the Chargers to get enough fans in the Zoom to yeah, not have stock logos. And was, one thing I don't understand is why does he have to have those cards for every player? Is that just like a formality? Especially like in the first round, like how can you not remember like one name in like a school? I feel like it was kind of a formality because like, you know, when he goes up to the podium at the actual draft, he's always got like the envelope or whatever. Yeah. He's just trying to make it seem like that. But no, I agree. It's like, you shouldn't, like, it can't be that. He probably has like a, a teleprompter too. Like it can't be that hard to remember. Yeah. That would be funny if he just fully forgot though. One of my big winners um, was the Browns. Yeah, the Browns. Um, I think. I think. I mean, obviously, they're pretty talented. Like at the skill positions, with say what you want about Odell, Um, but he's. I mean, he's talented. And then they got Chubb. Uh, They did get some help at wide receiver with Donald and Peoples Jones. I think that was pretty good value. In the third, yeah, they got him late. Um, and I think I don't know. O line was like their O line was brutal last year, and I think in order for Baker to succeed, he's going to need some more protection. And getting Wills at ten was just uh, really good value, obviously. So I think that pick will help them a lot. They also got Grant Delpit in the second round uh, to shore up that secondary, uh, which I think. I think at where they got him was pretty pretty solid. Um, he came into the year as like a borderline top ten pick, and he I mean, which is weird because LSU had a great season, but he did not. Um, some concerns with like his tackling and stuff, um, but I think talent wise, like pure athleticism, and he's good in the he's good at coverage. So I think I think that was a really good pick. Um, and then they got Jordan Elliott, who was defensive end, um, who slipped a little bit again. I think they just really took advantage of people falling and using that to address their needs. Yeah, I think that Will's pick is going to be good for them because, like you said, Baker's going to need all the help he can get with protection and the type of quarterback that he's not the, like, Deshaun Watson type that's going to be scrambling, like, running around the pocket and evading sacks. He's going to need need a solid pocket around him to be able to make plays and to be able to be the quarterback they drafted him to be. So I think that was a really good get for them at 10. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I also think um, the Colts definitely had a good pick or a good draft. Um, Some might say they stretched on Pittman a little bit Um, early in that second round. There might have been better options out there, but they definitely needed help at wide receiver. Um, Gives probably, I'm assuming, Phillip. Give him some extra weapons. And then I think Taylor really fits well there because um, they got Himes coming out of the – as a receiver. Um, and they've yeah. got kind of him and Mac as like – Yeah, that'll be – Guys more quick. It'll be interesting to see what that does for Marlon Mack's fantasy value because he wasn't – he wasn't like the best fantasy running back, obviously, but he was kind of there – their main, their bell cow back. I mean, Hines was the receiving back, but Marlon Mack got a decent amount of carries, but now it's going to be probably J- Jonathan Taylor's backfield to lose would be my guess. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to spend a early second rounder on them, you'd hope so. Yeah. 
But I, I think that offense will be – I mean, well, we'll see what Phillip does, but I think that offense could be good. And then they got Easton, too. He slipped a lot. Um, would they give him third round, fourth round? Fourth round, I think. Fourth round, yeah, it was because he was there on day three. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, what happens in that quarterback room then because they only have Rivers on the one-year deal. So are they going to move Brissett because they just drafted Eason, or are they just going to keep all three of them? I mean, that's that's pretty deep at quarterback. Um, they, did, yeah. they did pay Brissett, didn't they, a little bit? Yeah, so might they did. As a backup. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think like he had a good first half and then kind of fell apart. But yeah, I, I mean, he's still I, like a really good backup. Um, yeah, Brissett's a high-end backup for sure. But I don't know if they want to – I mean, if they're going to draft Easton, I don't know if they're going to want, you know, two high-quality backups there. Maybe get yeah. some, maybe they could trade Brissett. They probably wouldn't get much for him, but they don't really have use for him anymore, in my opinion, yeah, unless, they, unless they don't feel comfortable with Easton as a backup right away. Which Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think Easton's definitely a prospect that's going to need to develop, but at the same time, I think they got good value out of him and – if he turns out to be something after Rivers leaves, then they can just unload Brissett and run with Eason, and that'll be, I think, good for them in the long term. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any other um, winners? Yeah, I have uh, a couple different winners. I think the Cowboys, um, they didn't necessarily do anything spectacular, but I think they allowed the draft kind of to come to them, if that makes any sense. I think the fact that CD fell to them at 17 was – it, maybe they didn't get their fill exactly their need there, but I think if you can pick up a playmaker that was supposed to be maybe a top 10, top 12 pick at 17, I think that's great for them. And I know you're a big fan of uh, Gallup. Gallup. Yeah. He's a great receiver. But uh, I think that just adding another great talent at receiver is only going to help Dak in that offense. Yeah. And, I mean, they've got some great weapons now. That'll be interesting to see how McCarthy uses that offense. It's definitely not going to hurt. I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough because yeah, he fell in like it's great value, but I I don't know. I think if I was them, I'd probably would have gone defense. Uh, maybe get like Patrick. Well, I guess they have a uh, Van Der Esch, but they definitely had some needs at like corner. But they did address that in the second round with Diggs from Bama. Um, I think that was yeah, and I mean, pretty good pick for their spot. Um, he's not going to replace. He's not going to replace Byron Jones right away, obviously, but. I think that he could be a solid corner for them. And, I mean, to be honest, in that division, you're not really, like, super worried about your top corner. Like, the best receiver in that division is, like, what, Terry McLaurin? I mean, you're not – Dallas. If you're Dallas, you're not super worried about corner in that division. I mean, obviously, it's a position that you don't want to be lacking at. But in the third round, they filled up uh, their D-tackle hole, Neville Gallimore. he was ranked a lot higher than 82 on a lot of big boards. So I think that was a good scoop for them as well. So I don't think they, like I said, they didn't do anything spectacular, but I think they just took advantage of like quality players who fell to them. Yeah. And, Similar to the Browns, I think. Yeah, exactly. Like I think a lot of these teams in the draft that didn't overreact or um, just pass up on players on good players that were there. I think those teams are the teams that came out ahead. And another team uh, that I think did really well, like, in that kind of way is the Broncos. Um, Judy at 15, I think, is 
I don't know. They could, they probably could have got something, another position, but I mean, a lot of people thought they were going to take a wide receiver coming in and I kind of thought it might be rugs because Judy would be gone by then. But I think Judy and Sutton side to side are going to be really good. This is going to be a really good basis for a wide receiving core. And they got Hamler in the slot now. Yeah, exactly. Reminds me of like a guy like Randall Cobb. Yeah. And having Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay out of the backfield, their only problem really is how Drew Locke. <laughs> like, is, yeah. is he be a good quarterback for them? We don't know. He looked good at points last year in the second half. Um, but obviously, it's not a sure thing. Yeah. I think yeah, we'll see. They'll, they'll, they're definitely on the up. Um, I think in a couple of years, they could be back in the playoff picture in the AFC for sure. Yeah, I agree on that. I think uh, they got that uh, quarterback out of Iowa, too. And, uh, I mean, they need kind of help with that position after Chris Harris left for the Chargers. So, I think I think the Broncos did pretty well for themselves in the draft. If you just look, I mean, there's a lot of talk during the draft just about their weapons on offense and how how that's going to be a big help for Locke's development. So, I think that's the good thing is they'll be able to see pretty soon here how how well Locke is really going to progress because if yeah. you can't with the weapons that they surrounded him with, they're probably just going to have to go another another direction. Yeah. One thing, another team that I thought maybe didn't get enough credit um, was the Niners. I saw – I don't remember who it was, but there was some big-time analyst that was tweeting about the 49ers taking Kinlaw, like hating on them. Like, they're like, you just replaced a guy that you let go. That's not getting value. But, like, you forget they saved, like, $20 million by doing this. Exactly. And, like – He's not going to be Buckner right away, maybe not ever. But if you can, I mean, if you can give a first-round pick for twenty-two million in cap space, like you do that every time. Yeah, I mean, Buckner's getting paid like like twenty-two million. Like you said, that's second at his position. Yeah. If you can replace him with a a, a solid first-round D tackle, I think that's good. Yeah, and then they got that wide receiver. It seemed like Shanahan. Um, and Lynch really liked him. Uh, I think Lynch, Shanahan said he was his number one wide receiver. Yeah, I think Lynch, I he's the type of wide receiver that. that I, yeah, I don't know. We I think we both disagree that he's the number one, but I think that he's the type of guy that Shanahan, fits in Shanahan's offense. Going to be like he can catch those short to intermediate throws across the middle that Garoppolo is so good at, and he's the type of guy that Shanahan can be getting in motion like Debo Samuel and Mostert and all those weapons that he has. So I think, I think that'll be good for their offense. Yeah. And then they got, I mean, they did give up like, I don't know, not that much for, in my opinion, they got a pretty good deal for Trent Williams. He's one of the top, I'd say three tackle offensive tackles in football. So, I mean, a fifth and a third is like not much to pay in that. They basically used to have cap space on Buckner uh, for Williams, which I think I think that's good uh, good team management. Just like I think that'll help them more than Buckner would have, especially since they replaced him with Kinlaw. Yeah, in terms of a good good draft from a sheer value perspective, I think that's great. And I think I saw um, Joe Staley retired, right? Yeah, like right after it, which is kind of funny. Like he was yeah, waiting so for them to replace him, and then he's like, "Okay, they're good." Yeah, who knows if. 
like Lynch and Shanahan knew he was going to retire and was just waiting on it or what, but yeah. I mean, I think it's still an upgrade either way. Yeah. And just, I mean, now, especially that he's gone, you have to fill that spot. So I think that's acquisition of Trent Williams is definitely going to help them out. I think they did a, they did a great job of being a team not to sit back. Oh, we made a Super Bowl. Let's just run it back exactly the same way. I think they did a great job of trying to, at least maintain, if not get better from where they were. Yeah. My last winner would probably be the Ravens. Um, I don't think they did quite as well as some of these other teams, but I think they did. They picked up Queen in the first round, which they obviously needed a linebacker. They didn't have really any linebackers on their roster uh, prior to the draft. So I think he's the type of guy that's probably going to be starting day one. And in that division, they, they're going to need him to uh, be a big-time contributor. And they also got Dobbins in the second round, who I know you're pretty high on. I think I had him at my number one back. Yeah, they got him at 55. So you're probably pretty happy for Dobbins to be going to, to the Ravens then. Yeah, for sure. I think, again, like, same with the Browns um, and the Cowboys. They just – someone slipped in a position of need, and they just didn't overthink it. Like, maybe they didn't need a running back that much, but, you know, I mean, I think Dobbins is just about of a sure thing as you can get of being a solid NFL back. Yeah, and the thing is, like, they signed Mark Ingram last year, but I think the Ravens are a smart enough team to know that even though they just signed him, he's not going to be there for four years. He's not going to be able to contribute for that long. So I think bringing in Dobbins to – either take half of his load or to take over the starting job is, is going to be helpful for them to get a young guy in there who can catch passes and do, I think, a little more than Mark Ingram can. Yeah, and again, my last winner, I'll go quick, Vikings. Um, again, they got some tackle help in, like, the third and fourth rounds, uh, which they really needed. Their O-line was pretty brutal last year. Uh, if you remember that Monday night or Sunday night game against the Packers, um, I think we had like six and a half, seven sacks, or it's like, I think Smith Stone had like three and a half sacks, and then as a team we had like seven or eight. So I think, I mean, that wasn't the only instance of their O line being terrible. So they got some yeah. help there later, and then they definitely need to replace Diggs with Jefferson, and then, I mean, with Wayne's gone as well as uh, Rhodes, they definitely needed Gladney to come in and I'm sure up that secondary because that was probably one of the biggest team needs in the entire league, like their secondary. Yeah, definitely. I think that'll help them a lot. Um, and yeah. in terms of the losers, um, I think, I think we it's have pretty the, obvious. <laughs> we have two. Uh, I guess I'll start with the Eagles. Yeah, yeah I get to the Eagles. Um, I mean, they needed a wide receiver, and Jefferson was there. And Mims was there, and even Ayuk, Pittman. Uh, I just think it was a stretch to go with Rieger at, what was it, low 20s? 21. High teens. 20 what? 21 they got him at. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if you like a guy, like, they know more than us, but it seemed like there was better value there at the position. And then, Yes, I mean, some people were arguing that, Rieger might have just been the type of scheme fit that um, that Doug Peterson wanted, but 
at the end of the day, I think if they were going to go Rieger, I think, I mean, he still probably would have been there mid-second, maybe late second round. I think getting down would have been much better for them because even if there weren't that many suitors, they still could have gotten more value out of that. Yeah. I mean, unless they must have, like, really loved him then, I guess. Um, Yeah, I would hope. And then Hurts in the second round, I just don't really get – um, it's one thing for the Packers taking love or Rodgers is getting close, but I don't really, I don't really understand what they plan on doing with Hurts. He, he already said he doesn't want to, he's not playing anywhere else besides quarterback. Yeah, I was, I was just like dumbfounded by that pick. I was so surprised when they said that name. Like, I kind of feel for Hurts because I don't, I just don't know when he's going to get his opportunity. Yeah, Foles is injury prone, but you would think that's whoever drafted Hurts would have at least he would have at least gotten a chance because. I feel like he's he's kind of that guy that that's kind of more boomer bust than a lot of these other guys at quarterback. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he probably will he'll never have a chance to start outside of injuries in Philly is it's kind of tough. Um, yeah, and I mean you don't want to be making the Lamar comparison, which I mean is is unfair to make of Jalen Hurts because he's just he's not that type of top end athlete, but. I mean, he is the running quarterback that, like you said, boomer bust is kind of his his whole thing. I think he could be a mid-tier starter in the NFL, but behind Wentz, even if Wentz is injured two games a year, you're not truly going to be able to see him mesh into an offense and actually show his stuff. So I think for Hurts, it's not really the ideal landing spot. And I think for the Eagles, is he's not really even the ideal backup because if he he's – He's the type of back or he's the type of quarterback that needs to like truly fit into an offense to be able to perform to his best. But I, yeah, I don't and again, I mean, it was also very early. Yeah, exactly, early too. So that was just a good pick overall. Yeah, and then I think we all know the Packers, probably the biggest loser that I can ever remember in a draft, in my opinion. I might be biased, but we didn't take a single wide receiver in the whole draft, which is kind of mind-boggling. I think um, – I, I mean, I know our, I know our, like, two through four guys are still young and, like, they'll be better next year, but they're still not going to be close to good enough. And I think people around the league would have agreed that, like you said about the, the Vikings' uh, defensive back needs, I think people around the league would have agreed coming in that the Packers' wide receiver needs was right up there. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I know we've signed punches and you've got – um, St. Brown coming back from injury, but I mean, even in like the fourth, fourth, fifth round, taking a flyer on a guy like Pittman or not Pittman, Peoples Jones or like Tyler Johnson, just to have another guy in there that to help out. I mean, I don't really get it. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that either. And then we take like a center in the fifth round, which we've got like a twenty-seven-year-old, like mid-tier starting center. I don't. I don't really get it. Overall, a weird draft from the Packers. And then we take, like, a wing back in the third round, uh, DeGuara out of Cincy. He's, like, a fullback tight end hybrid, which, to me, today's NFL is sounds pretty obscure. Yeah. What are we going to use him for? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think everyone thought, like, if the Packers were going to go tight end in the first three rounds, it would have been, like, a more of a receiving guy. Um, 
like that guy out of Dayton was there when we took yeah. this um, guy. And I think he would have been a much better fit. But it seems like LaFleur and um, Goot are building kind of this more like run-based, short pass kind of offense, um, which I think is gaining some more traction again. I think NFL is shifting back a little bit to, more towards the run. Um, at least this trending in that direction, in my opinion, as opposed to throwing the ball 50 times a game. But yeah, I'm more towards and, the It's one thing, like, if you take positions that you don't need or you, re- or you reach on positions that you do need, but the Packers kind of did a combination of the two. They reached on positions that they don't even need. Yeah. I mean, just like that Dylan guy at running back out of BC. I mean, he's like, – like you said, the NFL might be moving more towards the run game a little bit, but at the same time, I think they're moving towards a type of offense that depending on what players you have on the field, that it's not obvious whether you're going to run or pass. But I think this Dylan guy out of BC is kind of almost – he's obviously not Derrick Henry, but I think when he's on the field, he's going to be a Derrick Henry type where the opposing defense is pretty sure that the Packers are going to be running the ball. Yeah. That's not the type of thing you want in today's NFL unless you have a Derrick Henry who's going to still get you five, six yards of carry. Yeah, I think – I mean, like I said, it would have been one thing, like, if Dobbins fell to us or Taylor fell and we took him. I, I think when you're, when you're drafting for non-positional needs, you, you do that because the value is there and, like, they're one of the best guys available, but – None of their three first picks were like, I don't know. None of them were value picks. They were all stretch reaches in my opinion. So, Yeah, I I was just kind of disappointed. Uh, And then, obviously, Jordan Love. Um, Yeah. I I wasn't – I was, I guess, in the minority that I didn't hate it. Um, It'll obviously be exciting, and that's – I mean, that shouldn't matter, but I think – I'm kind of in the camp that I think Rodgers has had his, obviously his best years behind him, but I, I don't know. If you, I mean, stats don't lie. He's not been a top five, top five, six quarterback in the NFL the last couple of years, in my opinion. Um, so I don't know. Bringing in a guy to be a successor, I don't think is a terrible thing. But no, yeah, I, I also, I also don't think there's any way that the Packers move on from Rodgers in the next two or three years. No, I agree with percent that, like, getting someone to be Rogers' successor should be should be important, and I think we both agree. Like you said, the stats don't lie. Rogers is he's getting up there in age, and not every quarterback is going to be Tom Brady playing until they're forty three. So we don't really know how many years Rogers has left of competing in him. So that's why I think the a lot of Packers fans are upset about it. Just that. We could have got maybe a wide receiver there or someone else to help us win next year, but Love's not going to play for at minimum two years. And my biggest problem with it, to be honest, was the fact that we traded up over the Ravens, Titans, and Seahawks to get Jordan Love. I don't know if the Packers heard buzz that another team was going to trade up to get Love. That's the only way I can understand. I think that's why. I think think they just want to risk it of someone else trading up, but – because, but yeah, like trading up over the Ravens, they're not going to take a quarterback over Lamar. 
or to replace Lamar. I mean, none of those three were going to take a quarterback. Yeah. Titans just re-signed Tannehill. Seahawks have Wilson. Like, none of those teams were going to go after another quarterback. So, it, it had to be, like you said, it had, it had to be. Yeah. And I, I, th- I mean, it's the same situation with Dylan. Like, and, like, when Rodgers got drafted, people are comparing it. But people forget that Rodgers was, like, the arguably the number one prospect in that draft. And we got him at 24. Yeah. I think, that, I think that's the only reason we drafted a successor as early as – they did because they the value was just so good yeah they just i think i think them. like someone like bringing in someone like easton or from this year in like the third fourth round see what you have for like two years um if you want to move on then you can um take a guy in the first round in two three years after you you know invested some not a first rounder and another guy maybe you know again see if Take a flyer on Eason. He slipped. Pick him up in the fourth round. Develop him. If you don't like him, move on. And in two years, there's going to be another guy like Jordan Love that'll be that'll be there and take him. I'd, yeah, I think like a first round pick was needed on a quarterback. Obviously. Yeah, I don't understand why they were so sold on Jordan Love. Like they must see something in him that most people yeah. didn't. Yeah, and again, I, I mean, able to develop them. who knows? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they got lucky last year. They weren't, they weren't 13 and three good or 12 and four good. No. But again, I mean, they're one, they're one game away from the Super Bowl and they don't address really any needs within the first three, four rounds. Um, that was pretty I saw something on Twitter that they're, they're drafting as if there won't be a season next year, which kind of makes sense because then you, you obviously lose another year of Rodgers and uh, Aaron Jones probably doesn't play another down for the Packers. Um, but I didn't even think I of think, that. That's true. I think that's kind of stupid to draft like that. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just confusing. Um, obviously, they're not going to come out and explain themselves, but and they don't yeah. have to, but. I just, bottom line, I don't think any of these top three, four picks were got good value for their spot, and they didn't address needs. And the combination of those two just means they had a terrible draft. Yeah, I think everyone pretty much agreed that Packers had the worst draft, probably. So it's a little disappointing, but who knows what happens? And I mean, with this shortened off off season, who knows what's how the how these rookies are going to pan out, anyways, in their first season. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a career-defining draft for Goot and LaFleur. So they, if they hit on some of these guys, they'll look really good. But I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I think uh, that's pretty much all we have for winners and losers, right? Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, so uh, I think, like we said, Packers and Eagles, for us two at least, were the most confusing drafts biggest losers could have could have made more moves but I think uh move on from that and some exciting parts of the draft were some of the the bets we had placed I think I know I felt it felt for me like first time in quite some time where I had a sweat on something where I wasn't exactly sure if my bets were going to hit and that was just a little exciting and something I hadn't felt in a while I don't know how you were feeling throughout the especially the first round was pretty exciting 
yeah, it was great to watch something, something live, something sports. And if they weren't out there competing, it was still. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, on the picks that I gave out on the pod, I ended up going two and two, but I, I hit my best bet. So that was good. Made one unit. I, uh, hit the Okuda to be third pick plus 130. Um, I think I kind of got that at the perfect time because I took it when there was kind of more buzz about trading up and someone taking Lions spot there to draft someone else. And I know both the Sandman and I were kind of tricked a little bit by the steam that the Dolphins were going to trade up and take an alignment. So we both took a stab at uh, Werfs and Wills both going at that third spot. But yeah, I mean, we got pretty good value out of it. Yeah, we got really good value out of it. Like, we got, like, what, 33-1 to 1 or something when it was trading 10-1 to 1 at a lot of sites. But good thing we didn't give that out on the pod, so you guys didn't have to lose anything on that. <laughs> and So Okuda third was a nice hit for me. Uh, started off the draft right away. Um, and then I had Brown over 7.5. But unfortunately, the Panthers took him right at seven. I thought, to be honest, that the Panthers were going to take Simmons. And Matt Rule came out after the first round saying that he thought that Simmons would fit better with a veteran team. So that didn't really make sense to me. I mean, I understand how maybe he doesn't, as an offensive coach, doesn't really understand best how to utilize a guy like Simmons. And he's nervous that he wouldn't fit into their scheme. And Brown's the type of guy that is kind of just plug him in and He's going to be solid up the middle, be tackle. But I thought that was interesting as reasoning why they passed on Simmons and took Brown. Especially after losing Keekly. Yeah, especially after losing Keekly. Different player, but, I mean, their defense is going to struggle without him. And then I had uh, Judy, first wide receiver, plus 120. Um, That one, unfortunately, did not hit either with Ruggs going 12. To be honest, if you would have told me that the first of those three wide receivers was going to go at 12, I would have been pretty surprised. So, and even the fact that it was Ruggs, I wasn't too surprised that he went to the Raiders because I had him mocked to the Raiders, but I thought Judy was going to go before that. Yeah, so, a one-unit loss. But then, thankfully, for my last bet that I gave out on the pod, Thomas best bet, Andrew Thomas best bet under 10.5 plus 105. That one cashed at four. So Dave Gettleman really helped us out there, taking Thomas as the first tackle off the board to the Giants. I think a lot of people thought Werfs was going to go there, but I really just – I didn't necessarily think Thomas was going to go that high, to be honest. But I did see Thomas going top ten. I thought he was one of the better tackles in the draft. And Gettleman came through for us. We had a lot of value on that pick. It got up to minus 300 by the time the draft started. So I was pretty in that one going in. and. That I think pretty- Thomas is definitely like the most sure thing. Like he'll be solid. Like he probably doesn't have a high of a ceiling as like works or wills, but he'll be yeah. he'll be a solid tackle for a long time. Yeah. So that one basically made the draft for me. And uh, Sandman, you want to recap your your bets from the draft? Yeah. So uh, my first bet, I had uh, Kenneth Murray going over twenty one and a half at minus one thirty. That one. Um, the reasoning behind the pick wasn't exactly spot on. I thought Queen was going to go before him, which didn't happen, but a win's a win. Um, so we're not going to complain about that. And then I had a couple tough losses. Um, I had under one and a half Georgia players in the first round at plus 150. And unlike the last one, my reasoning, my logic behind it hit. But 
with Swift yeah. not in the first round, but of course Isaiah Wilson had to somehow sneak in there. Yeah, I was real surprised at Wilson. Um, going 29, which was uh, obviously pretty surprising. Um, I saw him at like the highest, like mid-second round for the most part, but it happens. And then I had J.K. Dobbins over 44 and a half. Um, I always really liked Dobbins. I just didn't think teams would like him as much. Um, and obviously with me not thinking there was going to be a running back taken in the first round um, and him being the third or fourth guy, um, I didn't see the – I saw a lot of value in over 44 and a half. I also had Tua before Herbert at minus 126, which obviously hit. Um, and unfortunately, under .5 running backs in the first round, uh, almost plus 200. I got that plus 198. Um, and the Chiefs had to take Clyde. 32nd overall, which is tough. Um, I mean, to be fair, the Chiefs are probably the most likely team to take one. Yeah. Uh, but it still hurts. And then I also had under five and a half receivers taken in the first round at plus 185. That also lost with six guys going. Um, so I ended up going three and three. Um, I did lose my best bet of the under five and a half receivers, however, so I did lose one unit overall on the draft. Um, but I did, I don't know. I mean, it was a couple tough breaks for me at the end of the first round, but we didn't end up doing too bad. I was honestly surprised that, uh, that Dobbins pick wasn't your best bet because just the way you had capped that one, it kind of seemed to me that that was the one you were most confident in just with how you believed that Dobbins was better than he was valued at, but you understood the ways he was valued. But I think that was that Dobbins pick was definitely a good hit for you. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I was more confident in the Dobbins hitting, but it was also hundred points. Like it was minus 126 compared to plus 185 yeah. for the receivers. So I saw a little more value in the receivers, but yeah, for sure. Not get there. Yeah. So uh, that the fact that, uh, Edwards Hilaire was taken 32nd overall. To be honest, I was a little surprised by that, but I do want to brag a little bit that I said that I was saying in our draft preview that I thought Clyde was going to be the best running back out of this class. And now the fact that he's in Kansas City, I think he's set up best to succeed at least his first couple seasons in that offense with Andy Reid. And I mean, if you heard what Andy Reid was, the kind of praise he was giving out for this guy saying that. He's better than Brian Westbrook, and he hasn't even played it down. And then I, I think that might be a bit of a stretch, but the fact that Andy Reid's that excited about him coming to town, I think I'm pretty uh, excited to see what he can do in Kansas City and pretty excited to see if he actually turns out to be the best running back in this class like I, like I think he will. But I just think that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. And everyone was pretty surprised by him to go in the first round and first running back, especially. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. So um, finally, I wanted to uh, get some new win totals that I like post-draft. Um, we'll just briefly go over them. I like the Browns a lot at uh, over eight and a half for plus 105. Um, I think one of the huge reasons they were so bad last year was their offensive line. Like I said before, it was just terrible. Probably one of the, if not the worst in the league, it was one of them. Um, and they really shored up both tackle positions with Wills and uh, Jack Conklin from the Tech Titans. They signed to a pretty big deal. 
Um, so that'll, I think that itself is going to help them a ton. And then just Baker getting another year under his belt, he'll be better. And again, that protection will help him a lot. And I mean, say what you want. Like, yeah, this was what people were saying last year. But I mean, they have they have talent. Like, other they didn't put it together last year, obviously. Um, it was I think Kitchens was pretty terrible. They got a new guy. Yeah, not someone new in there. Not a good coach. Um, I don't know. I just think this finally might be the year. It's pretty bold betting Browns to win more than go over five hundred. But <laughs> um, I mean, it's gonna have to break at some point, and I think this might be the year. I think not having Kitchens is gonna be helpful for them i think he was he did not help them their case last year yeah, especially I baker i just don't think he's a quarterback coach he was a bit yeah he was a bit a bit over his head last year i think so yeah i, I like i like your reasoning on that one yeah and then the jaguars under five and a half at minus 140 uh, just looking at their roster there on paper i think in my opinion clearly the worst team in football um and the draft, I mean, they did fine. They got C.J. Henderson and Clayvon Chasen in the first round. But they're really not getting any better at those positions. They're just replacing the outgoing guys like Ramsey, Bouye, and Ngakwe. Um, so, I mean, he hasn't left yet, but he's going to, I'm assuming. Yeah, um, yeah they're definitely going to be getting rid of him. So, I mean, Minshew at quarterback, if he plays, if he plays out of his mind, they maybe win six games. But... Yeah, I mean, just looking at their roster, they do look like they're not going to be competing and they're going to be struggling to get some games. But my personal theory is you always take over on the lowest win total team of the season. It worked for me last year with the Dolphins, and I think I'm going to be doing that this year as well. But I'm not going to be doing it until – right before the season, because that's usually when all the steam comes on this team. This team's going to be tanking. This team's going to be doing this. But I don't think tanking's really that prevalent in the NFL in the way that it is in the NBA. Teams aren't going to be purposely losing games. So I think if the Jags get down to something like four and a half or even four, I'm certainly going to take over on that. But I think your reasoning and the fact that they can still go five and 11, which it's not like a terrible season. Like a, that's like a fourth or fifth worst season. That's not worst season. I think under five and a half is still a, a solid bet, especially if you can get it in at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I think there's three teams at five and a half. That's the lowest. Um, the Bengals and. Jags probably have the most juice to the under though. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I mean, I think they're pretty clearly the worst team according to Vegas yeah. and myself, but I don't know. I just think. I mean, yeah, five again, five wins is it's not a terrible season, and that would still cash us, so I'm pretty confident in this play. Yeah, so uh, I think next week I'm going to cover a couple win totals, and uh, we'll see what Sandman has to say about my picks there. And I think we'll also touch on a couple of Twitter questions next week from you guys. We, we had a couple from, I think, the week of the NFL draft preview, so – now that we're going to be out of the draft mode, we can get to those questions. And uh, I think Sandman here is going to just going to sign it off for us. Yeah. So, um, again, keep asking us questions on Twitter. Um, don't forget, Soundbite will be coming up right after this. So tweet us with your answer. Um, 
this one will be a little more straightforward than last week. Um, should be pretty, pretty easy to get, um, but it is a pretty funny one. Um, so be sure to stick around for that. And yeah, thanks for listening.